This is important information. Ready, set, and begin. Who better to talk about the MLS in the Twin Cities than the head coach of your hometown United? All incredible things to look forward to. Now, courtesy of Heineken, this is the Adrian Heath Show. Quintero with a Minnesota goal! The Adrian Heath Show. Oh, what a save by Shuttleworth! Oh, my! Hosted by former player and now Loon sideline reporter Jamie Watson. Check this out! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Adrian Heath Show. I am your host, Jamie Watson, and this week, joined in studio by the head coach of your Minnesota United Loons, Adrian Heath. Adrian, welcome. This is our first time getting you in studio on a Tuesday night, ready to go back to normal. Been busy. Yeah. Been busy. Last week, we had... uh... We had all the people from CONCACAF on with the great news that we're going to be hosting the first game in the new stadium for the Gold Cup next year. So that was a, it was a good evening, but we managed to get a couple of segments in and Cal ably stood in for me last week. Filled in admirably. I, uh, I, I, I got rid of one Englishman in your seat and I filled him with another Englishman. I just can't seem to get away from you guys. Get rid of us. That was some, uh, big shoes to fill. Cal did a great job. We are so grateful for that. Um, if you're just tuning in, this is a good episode. This is a good one. We have a guest. We actually had to make a last-minute substitution. We were going to have Paul Tenorio with The Athletic, who is one of the most uh, well-liked, well-renowned experts in U.S. soccer. He was going to be joining us uh, due to a last-minute family emergency. He will not be doing that tonight, so our thoughts are with Paul and his family. He will be joining us uh, later on this season in another episode. But we will have Brian Dunseth who you and I know well, Brian Dunseth, is equally as well-liked. He is... Very respected. He is incredibly respected. One of the best color commentators, one of the best soccer pundits in U.S. soccer. He will be joining us. Yeah, I think uh, he's made a really good crossover from being the ex-player to now moving into another side. And we'll speak to him about it later, but, uh, you know, I have have a lot of respect for Dunny. I think he's done a, a great transition from what he was to what he is becoming now. A guy that's pretty much laid out the blueprint for what I've tried to do in my post-playing day. So someone that we both respect a lot, he'll be on the show. But that is coming up next segment. This segment, though, is all about recapping the weekend that was Sunday at TCF Bank Stadium. Beautiful, picturesque day. Great crowd. We, we welcomed in the leaders of the Western Conference, Sporting Kansas City. And like you said, Adrian, a great crowd even spilled over into the upper deck. Yep. A lot of people from Allianz Life was there. Great, um, great noise in the stadium, especially late on. Did you feel that on the yeah, sideline? Yeah, we, we did. And the other thing that I thought was great was I think the crowd recognized that we needed to get over the line. I think they actually they realized that we were maybe on the back foot a little bit and they suddenly the, the decibels went up a little bit within the stadium and, you know, come on you loons and all that sort of stuff. So, no, the crowd were great at the weekend and um, a little forerunner of what's to come, I think, as we as we move closer to moving into the brand new stadium. Did you like the uh, the TIFO from the Dark Clouds and True North from the Wonderwall? Uh, my French is not very good, so you're going to have to excuse me. Let me, <clears throat> sound like, let me just put a bunch yeah. of peanut butter in my mouth so I can sound like I'm speaking French. Les Etoiles du Nord, is that right? The Stars of the North, and they had the four-two-three-one formation of the Stars, and they had the players' numbers that were starting. What did you think of that? I thought it was really clever, really smart. 
I wish I'd have known. I'd have probably played somebody with a number they hadn't got. So that would have, <laughs> last minute change. <laughs> last minute change. So they that really, about. Yeah, that really would have put it, put the spanner in the work, so to speak. But no, it was uh, very clever, very smart. Nothing more than we'd expect. Yeah. So so let's get into the uh, into the game. Um, you talked about a great atmosphere to the game, but the team really seemed to. Leading up to it, last week we had talked about how do you break down Sporting Kansas City. Coming into the game, they were 7-2-2, two, two, top of the Western Conference. Uh-huh. A very good team on the road. I think 3-1-1 one, and one on, the, on the road. You said to me that the best way that we were going to get a result against Sporting Kansas City was to attack the spaces in behind the fullbacks. Yeah. Fast will, forward to Sunday. Yeah. That's where you had your success. Yes, and I think that, you know, that they they... they Set up in a very traditional 4-3-3 with a deep-lying midfield player that sort of protects in front of the two centre-backs. And I always feel with that system, it's very good at times, especially when they're at home. But away from home, there's them two soft areas either side of Ilya Sanchez, as it was, where if you get your wide guys in them in them holes there and you can attract the full-backs in and then spring off, spring off them. I thought Miguel and uh, Lexi did it not so well, but did it well at times. But Miguel had a 20-minute period where... I think the fact that they took Jimmy Madranda off made you realise that that was where we were getting all our success. That little channel down the side of the shoulder of the centre-back, Miggy got in two or three times, put a great ball in for the goal, and two or three other good opportunities. If there was one little criticism I could have with us in the first half after that 30-minute spell, which I thought we were very good, I don't think our quality in the final third, our final ball was perhaps what we would have liked it to have been. Well, that's a that's a fair fair assessment to that. But but let's talk about something you said in there. The substitution, they started the game at left back with Jimmy Madranda, who's a, a very good outside back in this league, somebody that has had a lot of success in that system. But the rare first half substitution to get pulled off, not from an injury, is that like the biggest backhanded compliment to you that a Peter Vermes team who is one of the best systems, very similar to kind of how Minnesota United likes to play in, yeah. in some some aspects. And Peter's very, very good. He's a great coach, longest tenured coach. There was whispers about him being maybe yeah. the men's national team coach, maybe yeah. still being, just signed a new five-year deal. Yet he had to make a move in the chess game early on in the first half yeah, and to think, counteract what your team was doing. Yeah, and I, you know, we've, we've played them enough over the years that, that they do certain things as well that we have to sit there and go, are we going to be able to cope with where they put certain players, especially their two attacking midfield players? But I thought after the first 15 minutes, because I thought they started lively, uh, then after that, I, I felt as though we had 25, 30 minutes where I felt we were on top, culminating in the fact that Miguel must have had three or four quick breakaways down that side. They did make a change and they... They tried to get that little pocket of space sort of blocked off a little bit. Espinosa dropped a little bit deeper. So, like you say, it's a little bit of a chess match. And I said to you at half time, I thought that if we could continue with that current vein of form that we were in, I thought there was goals for us. Unfortunately, and I, I said to my staff after about 25 minutes, I'll take a point now because I don't know why we just couldn't get our momentum going and we could, you know, the last 10 minutes, the more they looked like scoring, we had a couple of breakaways that I thought, I, I, if our final ball's good, we might get in. But we couldn't quite do that. So on the, on reflection, you know, a point's not a bad point against somebody who seems every time we play in their top of the West. So, yeah. you know, it was a, you know, our last three games against them, we've won one and drawn two. So, you know, we're we, we acquitting ourselves quite well against one of the better teams in the league. Yeah, it was, it's, uh, it's always a... 
an interesting battle between Sporting Kansas City and Minnesota United, uh, a rivalry that goes back years and years, even before the MLS days. But Peter Vermees had a lot of nice things to say about you in the pregame. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the pregame show no, on Fox Sports North, but he had a lot of kind things to say about you. He uh, he, he really respects and, and likes what, what you're doing. And, and he thought that there were a lot of similarities between what Sporting Kansas City has done over the course of the last Six, seven, eight, ten mm, years yeah. uh, as to what you're setting out to do um, in your tenure here. So how do you feel kind of hearing some high praise from one of the, the best American coaches? Well, I, I think the, the most important thing is that I, for me is that, that when people play Minnesota, that they realize that this is not going to be an easy game and they, we're going to try and pose questions to them that, that makes them have to sit down and think. And I think that happened at the weekend. We're a million miles away from where I want this team to be and probably where the club want it to be. But when you consider the outlay that we've had over this probably the last two years in terms of buying buying the franchise, building the training ground, building this magnificent stadium, it's a process and it's a time thing and we have to be mindful of that. The most important thing, are we progressing and getting better? And the answer most definitely to that is yes, we are. Absolutely. And uh, you talked about building the stadium, the club announced... That's gone up a little bit. Expectations were about 150 million. What's the number you saw this week that it said it was going up to? Northwards of 200 million. Yeah, flirting with 250 million. Yeah. Ooh, Allianz Field's going to be nice at the beginning of 2019. But you know what's going to be nice when we come back from break. It may not be nice for me because this guy is a known heckler of mine. So instantly he's probably going to be best friends with you. This will definitely be you two ganging up on me. We are going to be joined via phone from Salt Lake City by Brian Dunseth, color commentator for Real Salt Lake. He will join us after the break. That's Adrian Heath. I'm Jamie Watson. Manny Hill's in the booth. This is the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more of the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. Presented by Heineken. Heineken. Welcome back to the Adrian Heath Show. Adrian, as always, we like to come back with a little bit of bumper music. Do you know who this is? We've catered this now after your abysmal and dismal performance to start this year. Well, I can't hear it. You keep talking over it. Yeah, you're just filling time because if you knew it, you'd already say it. I'll come back to it. You'll come back back to it. I'm coming back to it. That's not how this game plays. Manny, we got him. That's the Steve Miller band with Jet. Airliner. Yes, I know. Yeah, that's you were going to get there? Yeah, I'd have got that one. We could have kept going for another three minutes and 30 seconds, and I don't think you were ever going to get there. Yeah, I wouldn't. All right, well, 0 for 1 for you tonight, but I think things are going to be looking up for you here momentarily because we are joined on the line by somebody who I know you very much love and somebody who I love to hate, somebody who, because of how he treated me during my rookie year, MLS has strict no-hazing rules, the man himself from Salt Lake, as you said, has oh. brilliantly transitioned from his playing days to his post-playing days now in the media. The voice for Real Salt Lake, Mr. Brian Dunseth. Dunny, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Inky, don't let him fool you. He had no idea who the Steve Miller band was anyways. No, he didn't know, by the way. Zero clue. <laughs> Zero <laughs> clue. <laughs> he had that glazed hey, expression across his face, by the way. He wouldn't have got it. <laughs> This is the kid who had two twelves in an isolated box in his trunk that was rattling up and down the streets in Salt Lake City. Adrian has no clue what you mean with, by that. I had two 
diamond earrings in his ears. Yeah. Hitting on all the 19-year-olds. And see, this is exactly why I'm regretting having you on this show, Donnie. And just remember, all the stories that you want to tell, this is a family-friendly show. Donnie, of course, was teammates with me 2005, 6, and 7 with Real Salt Lake. Uh, Brian is transitioned over successfully uh, to his post-playing days where now you can hear him. He started out as the radio voice of Real Salt Lake. He's transitioned over to the color commentator. He's been on national broadcast, Fox Sports, ESPN. He currently hosts the Mike Pecky Show, which is nowhere near as good as the Adrian Heath Show, but a very close second. He does it all for Salt Lake. Thanks for taking some time out to join us, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for the intro. I'll Venmo you the $20 as soon as we get off the line. Perfect. I'll tell you now, Donnie, when I eventually convinced Jamie that his playing days were over, which was... You tried to do that several years before they were actually over. The last two years was very tough. I I actually did say to him, do you remember me? I said, you've got a, a really good friend who you should try and emulate. I said, you've got to look at the way that Donnie's transitioned from being football player and wondering what he was going to do into one of the most respected journalists come commentator come football pundit within the game so uh, he, he's got a lot to do but he's, got, he's, he's trying to work up to your level Dunny. Hey, hey, I appreciate that you know the respect is uh, more than mutual so thank you very much and Jamie's like my little brother I'll, I'll save it for next time I join you I, I won't kill him all in one fell swoop Thank you. Yeah, good. Keep it. Keep us uh, wanting you to come back more. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see Real Salt Lake here at TCF Bank Stadium on July 14th. So I'm sure we'll have you back on before that one. But we wanted to get you on tonight because there's a lot going on in the world of soccer and getting someone of your knowledge and aptitude of MLS of U.S. soccer. I wanted to just kind of talk with you. And now that Minnesota United is coming up on that 18 month mark in MLS. Uh, a marked improvement from 2017 to 2018 now, sitting tied with Real Salt Lake and LA Galaxy on 13 points just uh, off of Houston Dynamo over at the playoff line there. Donnie, what's kind of your perception as somebody who knows the league very well of Minnesota United, and how is Minnesota United viewed more on the, the national scale? Yeah, I, I think we've all been really excited to see the way the franchise has been built uh, from scratch and transitioning to Major League Soccer, and, and listen, I, 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 for one, cannot wait until you guys get into your, your brand-spanking new stadium just around the corner. Uh, the, the pictures themselves are fantastic. Um, we, we, we all know uh, that expansion teams have growing pains. There's ups and there's downs. There's guys that are fully behind from the outside looking in, the national pundits, um, and then there's guys that will look at it and say, uh, hold on, this has to be better, that has to be better. Um, what, what I know is when that, when that team steps on the field, uh, they're, they're fighting. Uh, they're going to fight tooth, claw, nail, whatever it takes. Um, and all these games are, are a joy to watch from the outside looking in. They're competitive. Um, there's difference makers. And, and like we all know, throughout the course of the season, especially in the Western Conference, um, at times it, it could be a flip in a coin because you're not really sure with how competitive the West is. Um, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, would Sporting Kansas City be the top of the West? I would have told you you're crazy. I would have said it was a bit of a transition year. They don't have a point striker. Uh, if you would have told me the LA Galaxy would be where they're at and signing Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I would have told you you're absolutely out of your mind. Um, I think we've seen a, a big switch uh, with Eastern and Western conferences where the power now seems to be in the East between the uh, top six, seven teams. Um, but big picture, 
I'm I'm really really excited for what this franchise has done and and what it's looking towards over the next eighteen months. Yeah, no, really insightful. I mean, it's really cool to hear how. It, it's viewed from an outer perspective last week. We got a chance to hear from Taylor Twelman. And if you're just tuning in now, we've got Brian Dunseth, the voice of Real Salt Lake, who uh, is telling us his thoughts on kind of Minnesota United, of, of where they stand in the national spectrum and hearing about Allianz Field. I mean, we get to see it every week, Adrian, as we're driving by and we get to see the stadium going up. But to hear that people are excited to come see it for themselves, that's pretty cool to hear, right? Yeah, it is. And I think the one thing that we've all seen over the last sort of five, six, seven, eight years is it seems like there's a brand new stadium every year and everybody learns from the mistakes what everybody else has made. And we're the beneficiaries of that. You know, I, I tell you, Donny, you will be amazed when you see it because I know Taylor was here last week and he was blown away with it. It's, um, it's going to be a really incredibly impressive place to come and play. For us, obviously, trying to progress and maybe putting the product on that field is going to be the test because, as I was saying to Jamie off air earlier, you look at what LAFC have done and the money they've spent. You look at, you know, the Galaxy aren't going to sit idly by and watch that happen. You know, Seattle are talking about spending 10 million on a player. Jeez. This league is taking up. What's the biggest and most exciting thing for you, Donny, over the last five, six years that you've seen in the growth in the game? Um, to be honest with you, it's the expansion. Um, for me, Adrian, it's, it's the owners. We've gone from kind of a, a champagne life on a beer budget. Uh, we've gone from owners that are millionaires into the conversation of owners that are now billionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would, I would also kind of throw into that growth at the same time. And, and listen, guys, I've been one that's been saying now for, for the past six months that with target allocation money coming into play, I personally believe that we're going to be looking at these next three years, this year, next year, and the year after, as really the biggest transition period in the history of Major League Soccer. I don't think David Beckham will ever get the credit he deserves for mm-hmm. taking the chance to be a part of MLS and, and creating uh, the designated player rule. Um, but I think target allocation money could be just as vital, if not even more important than the designated player rule, because yeah. now it's afforded teams the opportunity to use a physical asset uh, as a tradable asset, yeah. um, as a buying down asset, and then being able to go out into the international market and to continue to um, not not compensate by any means, but um, to be in a situation where you can you can you can compete, you can actually battle. On the international stage, the, the most difficult thing in the world for me is trying to watch general managers go out into the international market and know that they're not just dealing or with the competition in MLS; they're they're dealing with worldwide teams uh, that are willing to sometimes significantly overpay for uh, the price of of a really young dynamic player. Um, but I think while there will be hits and there will be misses as we kind of try to ease our way into the world of target allocation money. Um, I think the the salary budget, I, I, I hate using the word salary cap because I don't see a salary cap in Major League Soccer. I see a, a salary budget with the way that things are kind of being broken down. Um, I, I think that this is the time where we'll see um, the mid-level roster get significantly better while also having the ability uh, to compensate um, really, really young, dynamic domestic players that are uh, at times really excelling in major league soccer yeah really good i mean that's a that's a fantastic answer the more you were talking the more i'm sitting there going that's really good that's a good point 
Well, when we come back after the break, I just want to elaborate a little bit more on that because I don't think it's a coincidence that we've done so well this year in the Champions League, the CONCACAF. I, I think you're absolutely right. And Dunny, will you stick around one more segment? This is too good of a conversation right now to end it here. You got one more segment in you? Yeah, of course, guys. I got anything for you, too. Okay, awesome. So stick around. When we come back from break, more with Brian Dunseth. That's Adrian Heath. I'm Jamie Watson. This is the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken right here on 1500 ESPN. The Adrian Heath Show is back on 1500 ESPN presented by Heineken. Once again, here's Jamie Watson. Welcome back to the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN presented by Heineken. Adrian, coming back from break, last last segment, you had no clue who the Steve Miller band was. I couldn't yes, believe I that. Uh, Jet Airliner was last break. This break, you know who this is? I'm coming back to it again. Coming back to it? Yeah. Just need another three minutes and 30 seconds to get this one. The Doobie Brothers. Yeah, correct. China Grove. Doobie Brothers was actually one half of the gang that Brian Dunseth, our guest, used to be in back in college. Is that right, Brian? <laughs> is that what they used to call you? No, and- actually... No, Jamie, actually, you, you'll remember this. The, my first dog's name was Doobie. And I didn't realize until my friends were making fun of me around, uh, I think I was like 2021, 20, when the guys were like, dude, your first name, your dog's name was Doobie? I was like, yeah, Doobie. Didn't think anything of it. And then they made the finger gesture to their lips, and I was like, oh. Right. Yeah, I party a bit. Well, so that's... that's- how- that's how I knew. That's how I found out. I'm to my father. <laughs> the, the Doobie Brothers, China Grove, bringing us back. Dun, Brian Dunseth, the voice of Real Salt Lake com- color commentator for RSL, he is joining us on the line. A wonderful segment. Last segment, we asked him to stick around. Graciously, he did. And Adrian, he said something in the last segment that you wanted to follow up on, but we had we were up against a break. So, what did you have for Brian? Well, I think one of the important parts you mentioned only there, we're talking about the target allocation money, the TAM money. We played, I think it was Portland, the opening day or second game. Yep. They had nine DPs on the field that day, you know, because they, mm-hmm. they had the ability to buy them down once they'd been DPs. That's got to be the way forward. And I just think that middle part of the roster now is getting so much stronger than it used to be. Hence the reason yeah. that we probably did well in the CONCACAF, do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the big things, and big picture, I think we're still a little insecure as a, as an MLS fan base of when we start comparing and contrasting ourselves to Mexican sides, League MX sides, because they're our biggest rival, our most hated rival, and we think that, you know, we should be able to beat them. Um, and I love that competitive spirit. Uh, but as you guys know, you see some of these deep runs we've seen from MLS teams over the years, and it always comes down for me um, to the substitution pattern. When you look at guys that are guys that can make a difference, guys that can give you that spark, guys that give you something just a little bit different, MLS teams never really had that. Uh, and then this year, you know, let's use Toronto FC for example. You know, whether whether it's it's Vanderville, whether it's uh, Alro, whether it's Victor Vasquez, whether it's Akeche, all of a sudden you look at those four guys. And you think, wow, Giovinco, Bradley, Josie Altidore, pretty, pretty complimentary. Yeah, um, and not, and not a couple of young dynamic players, and not much of a drop off. And that that was always the no. knock, wasn't it? And I, you know, yeah. I, I, I was, I was so wanting the Toronto to to win that game. No, because, I definitely want him to. Because I think also it just gives the the league the credibility that it's probably been lacking in the past. But the interesting sure. part for me is that. We've had a few agents come into the training facility over the last few months with players that we bought in, and 
the one thing about it is now the standing of the league down in Central and South America is probably higher than it's ever been, which is great for the league. Well, and, and, and to build off that, Adrian, congrats to you guys as well. I mean, Darwin Quintero is, is, a, is one of the players for years I've been yeah. just banging against the wall trying to get in Major League Soccer. Um, and, you know, in the past, you think about from Santa Saguna to Club America, you think about the, the pay scale. I call it the backpack money, the no taxes, um, <laughs> and then the level of play. And then, you know, for you guys to, to stick a feather in the cap of, of, of your club, to be able to convince them to be a part of, of something that is, is, is such a fascinating project. Uh, because right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, fan bases are insecure because they look at the model and they say, all right, how many years until we should compete? Yeah. As opposed to looking big picture and saying, Yes, expansion franchise, but how many years until the, the, I don't know, the umbrella is, is, is fully deployed, is complete, where you're looking at academy, you're looking at training facility, you're looking at a USL side, uh, you're looking at your first team, then you're thinking about the training facility, you're thinking about the stadium, and all of those things, the entire infrastructure, for me, is just as important to build as the single individual year we yeah. see teams having. Well, I, I, you couldn't have, you've sort of took the words out of my mouth here. I've been saying this to Jamie for a long time, and one of the most important things for us, Donnie, has been not only to pay 150 million, whatever it was, for the franchise, seven or eight million on the training facility, 250 million, but we needed to get all that in place because we're trying to build something for the future, trying to build solid yeah. foundations. It's interesting you mentioned one thing there, Donnie, and you, you, you were probably in the perfect position to speak to us about it. I was talking this morning to the press about one of the problems that we're having at this moment in time is giving our players who are maybe on the bench or just outside the squad enough games. And the problem is that they, they aren't sharp when it comes around to playing. How has the yeah. Real Monarchs helped the Salt Lake, you know, actually overcome this? Um, well, it's twofold. Uh, number one, you both know Mark Briggs. Briggsy. Yeah, uh, I know Briggsy really well. Love Briggsy. Yeah, just a phenomenal human being. Um, so to see what he's done with Real Monarchs um, has been fantastic. He, he, best, best team in the league last year. Falls in penalties in the playoffs, and they're, they're back to the start of the USL uh, once again. But he's selfless. He's selfless with understanding not only what his role is to win, uh, but also selfless in recognizing that at times Mike Pecky is going to call him on a Monday or Tuesday and say, "Yeah, you're going to take these four off me." These guys to get games. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's pretty seamless. You know, I, I think Jamie, Jamie, and I can speak to this. Back in the day, where Major League Soccer, if you missed out on playing a game, the reserve league system was Sunday morning up at 9 a.m. Drive to Park City, uh, get 90 minutes, potentially play with a couple local guys that have never played uh, with your group before. And then all of a sudden sit there and say, is the benefit of me getting a game when these guys don't even understand what we're trying to do? Or am I looking at this as a punishment because yeah. the coach doesn't think I'm good enough? Now I think guys are starting, for the most part, I'd say 75%, guys are starting to look at this as an opportunity to get important games, know that the system and the structure and the ideology between the coaching staff is one and the same, and then they can look at it as saying, I need to get my legs back because that'll put me in the frame for the manager to pick me on the weekend. Yeah. Um, little by little, we're starting to see that. But as you guys know, and Jamie, you can probably speak to this best, coming out of Bradenton, 
we still have a problem with young domestic American players who grow up in a system that is completely coddled, um, and then they get to the first team, they've got a little bit of money in their pocket, and all of a sudden they say, Psh, what are you talking about? I'm a first-team player. I don't need to go down. I don't need those games. I'm ready. Put me in. Yeah. And they don't have the right mentality. Um, so I think little by little we're starting to weed out um, you know, just the outstanding, talented young player with getting the, the fully rounded young professional who understands and actually yeah, going back to the days of, of YTS and shining yeah. the boots of the first team pro, yeah. you know, the importance of understanding where you are in the big scheme of things in the club. No, you're absolutely right. Voice of Brian Dunseth from Real Salt Lake, uh, dropping some knowledge. And, and Dunny, you're absolutely right because I remember coming out at 18 years old, as you said, out of Bradenton, playing with the, the U.S. national team. I remember being the 14-year-old kid who was on the C team of his local North Texas Olympic Development Program team, and I couldn't I couldn't get a game. Fast forward a couple years later, worked really hard to get in that spot, got a chance to go pro early, and literally thought I had made it because I was making 37-5 my first year playing professional soccer at 18, 19 years old. And you yeah. saw it, as you said, you are right. Young players do come out coddled. You get you get some of these guys now that are coming out making a couple of hundred grand at 18, 19 years old. And if they don't get fostered in the right way with the teams who have these reserve teams or a good system in place, it's easy to fall by the wayward if you don't get a consecutive run of games. And And I think that's really important that there is that system it's almost like a like if you buy a Ferrari and you don't get insurance on it, right? You you spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars. The league does to invest in these players, and then no effort to play, no no games, and 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 yeah. or maybe a handful of games over the course of a year or two, and then you expect them to pan out into what they were supposed mm-hmm. to be without having played. They'd been better off staying in college, getting twenty games, which sounds crazy to think that, but that's the state of it. And so, it, it, which fast forwards me to the the introduction of what Paul Tenorio broke, uh, the news of the YTF, the youth transfer funds that'll be adding. Uh, Dunny, how familiar are you with this? Um, how do you think this helps teams? Do you think that this is something teams will take advantage of? Um, you know, along those lines, is this is this something you're familiar with, or because it's still so yeah. new? Yeah, I think we're all trying to, we're all still trying to wrap our heads around it. And as you guys know, um, even if you're a general manager in this league, I think at all times you're looking at this ever evolving mechanism that is Major League Soccer. Uh, and that's why I refer to it as a, as a, as a transfer, uh, a salary budget and not a salary cap because every single time it feels like you're given more, uh, a couple new mechanisms every single year to utilize. Uh, and, you know, and Adrian, I can't even imagine um, how you guys sit down and try to think about a one-year plan to a three-year plan to a five-year plan, yeah. knowing that all three at times could be in play, depending on uh, at the season-ending owners meeting what is okay and what's not mm-hmm. okay. But ultimately, it's another mechanism that will afford teams to bring to, more players in. Yeah, bring more players in to to develop more players to to be more open to the idea of selling players on and, and uh, reaping the benefit and the reward. One of the biggest problems I always had is if you're going to develop a player, if you're going to go out and sign a player, you're going to take the risk to put the money down to play a, to pay a player, and all of a sudden that player has that opportunity to go overseas. Number one, two things happen. One, I think teams are extremely hesitant because of the FIFA calendar that losing players in the summer, you're not going to be able to replace immediately. Mm-hmm. And number two, 
why the hell would you sell a player knowing that the league is going to get a certain amount? And if you wait another year, maybe you get 50% more of yeah. that sell value. So it's a really, little by little, the ownership yeah, it, is starting to figure out the, the right mechanisms to put in play. It's a difficult one. We had it with Kyle Larin, who got on the team and did so well. Yeah. And then the first proper offer we had for him, we're thinking, well, if we get rid of him now, the league take most of the money. So you're actually yeah. defeating the object of bringing him in the team and actually working with him. The other thing I think, Donnie, for me is with this, uh, you transfer funders, because of Atlanta going out and spending like 13 million, 17 million on Almiron and Barco, <laughs> it's changed all the figures now down in South America and Central America. Everybody adds a little bit extra on. What this will do, I think, it will force the hands of maybe some clubs to actually go out and bribe them even earlier. And here, and Donnie, real quick before you do that, if you're if you're wondering what this youth transfer fund is, just per, per perspective on it, uh, it's being reported that it'll be MLS is giving three million dollars to each team to use up until twenty twenty two for the purpose of signing players twenty years old and younger from outside the league. So, you know, back to Adrian's point about what Atlanta's doing with their seventeen thirteen million dollar signings. Um, your thoughts on what Adrian said? Yeah, no, I, I think he's dead on. Um, and, and again, it, it kind of it makes a it, it, it turns it into a very valuable mechanism where we get away from this ideology of young designated players into, hey, let's go build out your roster, build out your squad, but also build out the infrastructure and having a scouting network. Yeah. Guys, we used to go from, um, you know, you have one agent in South America and you would say, I need a defender, and one size would fit all. Well, now you're starting to see teams that do have the infrastructure and the financial backing from ownership, being able to have multiple scouts having the ability to build unique and valuable relationships and not just go for one size fit all. Um, and as that Rolodex continues to build, I think more of the gems and the diamonds will be uncovered. My hope for MLS is they follow the path of, say, a Benfica, uh, a Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, teams that are in Europe that might overplay a little bit yeah, I agree. with the idea that they can continue to build up this player and see them as an asset going forward that they could sell. Um, and we got to get away from this fear of being just a, a, a uh, we can't be a selling league. We have to be an import-export league so young players understand that when they do come, they can develop and they can get a better opportunity down the line. Uh, yeah. Great point, Donnie. And so we're, we've got about 60 seconds left in this segment before we're up against a break. Uh, real quick, your thoughts this weekend, Champions League final, who you got, Real Madrid or Liverpool? I called Liverpool. Uh, I, I just like, I, there's something about the destiny of Mo Salah right now and what they're doing. Uh, but listen, Real Madrid's Real Madrid. Uh, as a United fan, it pains me to say this, uh, but I'm back in Liverpool for Champions well, there goes your invite back to the show because the Everton oh, I legend, know, I know. The Adrian Heath. Head. My bad. My bad. Yeah. As much as it would, I would like a British team to win, um, my life wouldn't be worth living back on Merseyside if I went with Liverpool. But more importantly, going back to your point, Dunny, I just don't ever think you can rule Real Madrid out. And they've had a bad, yeah, right. by their own standards, they've had a bad season this year. And this is their yeah. get out of jail card that we've won it three times on the span. Nobody's won it for 30 years like that. So I just think that their extra experience, I hope I'm wrong, but I do think that Real Madrid might just, I don't know why, just might 
tip the scales a little bit. There. And as much as it kills yeah. me, I, I'll settle the debate inside with Dunny to make it Liverpool just because I want to be able to give uh, Adrian a little the stick. Night. There we go. So, hey, <laughs> we want to thank you so much for two incredibly insightful segments, Brian Dunseth. Uh, thank you so much for taking time away. Please give your best to that wonderful family of yours. Uh, we miss them. Till, I can't wait to see when we come see you in, uh, in Salt Lake later on in the year. Thank you so much. Will you join us again the week of the July 14th when Salt Lake comes here? Anytime you need me. Anytime Paul Tenorio backs out, give me a call. You are a wonderful option B. There he goes. <laughs> Brian Dunset. Thank you so Thanks, much. Guys. Stick around. we got one final segment left on the Adrian Heath Show right here on 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more of the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. Presented by Heineken. Heineken. Well, here we go for the final segment of the Adrian Heath Show this week. Adrian, a chance to salvage your 0-2 performance so no, far. No, no, no. 1-1. One 1-1? And one. One one one. One. I'm having Steve Miller. I'd have got Steve Miller. And this is an easy one, by the way. Go ahead. What's this one? This is uh, the difference. Wallflowers. There we go. Yeah. You say you're gonna you're gonna try to take two a two one. one win two one victory. Yeah. You literally have no shame, Manny. How do we how do we carry on with this guy from at the, times from the jaws of defeat? <laughs> that is it. Yeah, there you go. Very clutch at the end. Yeah. yeah, clutch is a way to put it. Just to just hope that we all forgot thirty minutes ago and, mm. and claim a victory at the end. All right. Well, we got a, we got a quick one here. We got uh, we got obviously we're gonna rate Kyle's call because yeah. what kind of show would this be if we didn't rate Kyle's call? But quickly before that. Previewing this week's game against Montreal Impact, yep. who have lost seven out of eight. Weird slide for the Impact. Mm. What do you expect this weekend? Well, first and foremost, they've got arguably one of the best DPs that the league's had in Ignacio Piatti. He's incredible. Yeah, top man. Um, so we'll have to watch him very, very carefully. It's a strange one because they're an experienced team, and yet they've they've let themselves down in certain games. But um, the one thing I know is that we went into the game, I thought, with a lot of confidence against San Jose and didn't start the game well and ended up losing the game. That can happen. We've got to be ready from the very first minute. If we can play with the crowd involved in the game, get some emotion in the game, playing there off, playing the front foot, we're more than capable of winning the game. But we're going to have to play better than we did against San Jose. Okay. No, that's uh, that's fair. It'll be a, be a good one. It'll be Saturday night, it's 7 a, o'clock kickoff, TCF it's a, Bank Stadium. It's a big game for us because if we were to go and get the three points, gives us 16 points, probably puts us in around playoffs. And I said to you after the after this homestand, we'd have a pretty good idea of where we stood in the pecking order of the league. So I think it'll give us a good understanding of where we are. And if, if we're in, you know, above the red line or on the red line, then I think it's been a, a quite a decent start for the first third of the season. Well, this, like you said, will wrap up five out of six home game stand, which will about even up the home games and road games played that 16 points right now would put you in a playoff spot. So a big three points on the line Saturday night at TCF Bank Stadium. So as we end the show, as always, uh-huh. We're going to take you back to this past weekend. Yeah. Darwin Quintero, in the 20th minute, gets on the end of a Miguel Ibarra cross to even the score up at home against the Western Conference leader, Sporting Kansas City. And as we always have you do, Adrian, it is time for you to rate Cal's call. Up against Beasley, Ibarra's ball in, Quintero! And again! Lifeline for Minnesota! Lens level! And it's Darwin Quintero with his third goal of the season! Lens level. Darwin Quintero with his third goal of the season. Bit short on adjectives this week. 
You think he ran out of words that alliteration? He loves he loves some alliteration. <laughs> he ran out of words that started with L. Yeah, loons level. And then he and then and then it fell short. It's like me playing Scrabble. Yeah. I'm thinking, what else starts with an L? Yeah, exactly. love, <laughs> like. Yeah, That's well, about- there you go. So. Uh, so what, what was that last week? I think 8.7 is the record, no? 8.7 is the record, I and think, that's last week. Purple Rain and Ethan yeah. Finley down yep. in Orlando. Yeah. Last week was like a 7.9. Yeah, last week, it. yeah. I think I think it was a 7.8 seven, seven, maybe, yeah. 7.9, um, 7.9. Seven, nine, seven, nine. Well, we're going down. We're going backwards on that one. Oh, we're regressing. We're regressing, yeah. Okay. It's, I'm going uh, 6 and a half, 6.5. 6.5. Ooh, yeah. Callum. He's listening to the podcast now, and he's sitting there going, ooh. That's not the best score. We better get that adjective book out there. <laughs> he better pull out something spectacular this week against Montreal. Adrian, my big That's thanks to you. That's what we're giving you. something to shout about, eh? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Hey, that sounds good. Uh, Adrian, my thanks to you as always. Manny Hill, thank you very much as yeah, always. Man. Brian Dunsett, thank you so much for calling in. And thank you so much to you for listening in. I'm Jamie Watson, your host. This is the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken. We hope to hear you next week right here on 1500 ESPN. You've been listening to The Adrian Heath Show, hosted by Jamie Watson, presented by Heineken. For Minnesota United game and broadcast information, be sure to visit 1500ESPN.com and click on the United tab in the Sportswire.